This is the VIP Podcast, Virginia in Politics. Let's listen to host Chris Saxman explore the personalities and policies that connect the Commonwealth. The VIP Podcast is brought to you by the VCTA, Broadband Association of Virginia and Virginia Free. The views and opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the VCTA and Virginia Free or our sponsors. And we're back. This is Chris Saxman on the VIP Podcast. That's Virginia in politics, but it's also very important people like my new guest, Delegate Michelle Maldonado. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. Uh, thanks for coming in. Uh, new delegate. At, this is your second term, second session. Yes. Second session. First, first term, first term second, second session. Term. Kind of like charades. First First term, second session. <laughs> Very good. Always with the jokes early, which I like. The show. Um, I think you might be uh, uh, one of the, if there was an asterisk to the 2021 election, the primary in June of 21, uh, you might be one of two people who beat Lee Carter on the same day in different races. Yes. Um, how, how was that? What was that dynamic like? Uh, well, first I'll just say that I, had no aspirations to be in politics. I didn't know anything about it. I was like many people sitting on the couch watching essentially our communities, our families, our nation kind of being torn apart at the seams with everything that was happening uh, from the border to George Floyd to January 6th. And I just one day was like, that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm getting in the race. I'm really? going to see. Had if you I been can politically help. active at no. all in the party locally? No. Nothing. Nothing. Complete outside. I a lot of the ways that I tried to affect change in the world was through the work that I do in the world, but it wasn't political. And um, and because I was so new and I was so naive, I had no idea that Virginia allows people to run for multiple offices at the same time. So I didn't get in the race to run against Lee Carter because I thought he was doing something wrong or anything. I had seen that he had announced, I think that January, that he was running for governor. So then I was like, oh, uh, when I I looked, I said, oh, so I guess the seat's open. So that's how I got into the race and then found out, in fact, we were on the same call with our Democratic committee when they announced that we were both on the ballot together. Wow. So... uh that's extraordinary. <laughs> so you were you wanted to run. Yes. You looked at the you looked at the the district. Yes. And you said there's a Democrat here. Yes. If there had been if the, he had not been running for another seat, would you have run? Do you think? Um, I probably would have done my homework more about. Okay. Did I need to challenge somebody sure. that was an incumbent? Uh, but because I didn't do that, because I thought he wasn't running for it. Right. But this is just uh, strictly from your gut. This was from my gut. I was looking around. I wanted. I have a son. Uh, my husband and I were looking around at what was happening in the world, and we wanted better. For, we wanted better for all the kids. Sure, sure. You know, every generation inherits a whole bunch of stuff from the the people before them, and, and I wanted them to inherit better. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, change. I understand that that gut feel. Like, yes. I'm, this shall not stand. If 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 you if, if that's was that your yes. Was there a moment? Uh, there were three moments. Uh, that I think that led up to my breaking point to say, that's it. What was the first one? The first one was the crisis at the southern border. And when I was looking at the trauma, I thought that was happening with children being separated from their parents. And I think that most people can agree that this country has never addressed properly and fully our immigration problem. So it doesn't matter if you're red or blue or you're purple. um, No administration has fully addressed it at the federal level. And so for me, that was, in that moment, it was like looking at how does trauma form? 
in mm-hmm. a human? Mm-hmm. How does trauma get started and how does it then get carried sure, sure. throughout a person's life? And I looked at those moments and saw those children. Uh, and so that was a first kind of bell gong for me. Like, and where what did that people? say to you? I mean, you're, I, know, what I looked at your website mm-hmm. and uh, you're, you have two, basically, your political and your professional. And your, yes. your, your professional really um, spoke to me on, the, on, your, on your company and what you do. And that is your world. When you talk about mindfulness and trauma, I mean, that's your business, right? That's what, that's what your profession is. So I do um, leadership development, but I think that we cannot expect people to lead others if right. they can't effectively lead themselves. So it's the leading self, leading others. And when you think about that, it's dealing with that whole internal world that we have. Mm-hmm. What, are our, what are our belief systems? Mm-hmm. What are the filters and perspectives that we are looking through to, to perceive the world around us and our place and our role in mm-hmm. it? And so that moment was we're creating um, people, young people who will grow up with this trauma in their bodies. And we know after that, that moment that many of those children had a difficulty being reunited with their parents. So there was continuing trauma that was happening and, and trauma sits in the body. We know from the research trauma sits in the it body. It sits in the body. My, you and my wife, if, yeah. if my Michelle with one L <laughs> was here, y'all be gone for about three or four hours. I'm telling you, she is yeah. that, that she said, um, um, oh, there's, there's, there's a saying she has, uh, and I'll have to get it for you because she's brilliant at it and she, and she expresses it far better than I do. But she does. It's it lives in your body and in places. It does it, in, in like specific places. Yes. And she will diagnose someone as having this this problem in their world, and she's like, "Oh, it's if it's in your gut, it's because of X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. If it's in your back, it's you're holding on to something." Yes. And it's amazing yes. the level of work that has been done in this field. Are you able? And let's let's talk about those other two yes. moments. Mm-hmm. But when that first moment hit. What did you say to yourself? So if you think back to, to, the, to the border separation policy, the, right? If you think back to that time in the prior administration, and this has this, and you look at it, and you, it, and in that moment, what it said to me, what I, what I heard myself saying out loud was, "Where are the people who want to stand in the gap?" and bring us back together while we address these issues. And what we were seeing was more and more divisiveness, more and more sure, people standing sure. in trench. So that was the first question. Yes. Trench. Yes. And then the second one was the summer of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, where we were we were dividing even more. Okay. That, so that, that was, gap was, okay, so that was that June was, 2020. That was 2020 and the border separation policy preceded that. Yes. So it, there was it was a, a buildup. Yes. To, and then to January 6th. And then January 6th. Yes. Was that the and moment? That's that like, was that's the moment when I kept saying, three where strikes are the and people? He's out. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it, it was a, what is happening to humanity? What is happening right. to, to us that we are allowing ourselves to blindly um, stay in one side? So we're staying in judgment and certainty mm-hmm. instead of allowing a little bit of space to have discernment so we can have understanding and right. communication. So that January 6th, it wasn't just that January 6th happened. Sure, sure. What, it, what really struck me, I mean, it was bad enough in my view that it happened, regardless of which side you sit on that, the fact that that happened in our country is huge. Oh, look, let me, let's just be honest and, with this one. Yeah. If a Democrat had done this, 
Oh, it, it, the yes. Republicans would have been out of their minds. Of course. And that's just that's just you talk about the of trenches. Course. I mean, they're just yes. they're just lobbing the same. Well, grades. that's the ultimate example of the trenches, right? right. January sixth. But what also happened afterwards that there were there were people in uh, on both sides of the aisle who named it as it was, called it what it was, and then in a few short days and weeks, people started to change it and call it just peaceful touring of the White House or the Capitol or right. And so the reframing of that event was really what broke me. Right. And I said, that's it. I, I when I started to say so where are the people the with the buildup okay, and I get that it. happening, it was like that was the tip maybe of the I'm one of the people that I keep asking for. And okay. I said, let me try. That right. was it. Okay. And, and I had successful. two weeks to go. I Before was the filing it deadline. Was two weeks to go I had to go get signatures. What's yes. the filing deadline? It was in March to get is mid March to get the signatures at the time. Oh, okay. And I decided apparently um, that's quick. two weeks be before, and I I knocked the doors. I mean, I've been involved in my community. I was a band mom, so I knew lots okay. of parents. <laughs> Anybody who has teenagers that are involved in marching band. Knows so you've never done this before. Never not involved in before. local politics. No. You've worked on any campaigns, volunteered, knocked doors, make phone calls, make no. contributions. Nothing. Now I did write letters. One of my dear friends uh, always um, organizes folks in our community to write right. postcards. Okay. So I would uh, take postcards every do year and do like that. Do okay. that. Um, but I never marched. The only time I ever marched was when I was in eighth grade and Jesse Jackson was running for president and he oh. was he was marching down 125th Street in Harlem and I went and marched with him. My father thought it would were be you, a good... Were you living in New York then? I was living in Columbia. Jersey. No, I was in eighth grade, so I, I okay. had I had like um, right, a very yes, I did go to school in New York, oh, yeah. but I was much younger when I did that. Uh, thank you. <laughs> which, which was that eighty four or eighty? Yeah, so that was uh, that was um, eighty. Probably was probably eighty. I feel like it was eighty because uh, I think it was like eighth grade. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. so early eighties. Okay. You know. So politically aware and conscious of what's going on, but yeah. not engaged, and then right. and then two weeks later. You're out, you're you positioned for the ballot, and yes. a couple months later, you win the primary, and you go into a general election, and you win that. I did. How'd it feel? Uh, I I felt so honored. I felt I felt um, the word that always comes to mind is responsible. Oh. I felt honored and responsible to for to, and to the people who okay. had elected me, because there there is um, such a great obligation and duty that you have when you sit in this seat uh, to listen to everybody that you represent, not just the ones that elected you, not just the ones that agree with you, but also the ones who don't. Right. And I think when we do more of that and can understand it, I've had so many people come to me and say, uh, previous people, because they weren't part of my party, wouldn't listen to me, even though they represented me. I'm like, come on in, doors right. open, let's have a conversation. Right. And at the end of it, it, even if there isn't agreement, there is such a deeper level of understanding, and with the understanding comes the de the 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 stripping out of the dehumanization element that right. is so popular right, right now. Right, 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 right. And it's easy to put people in their boxes and their trenches to if you don't know them to take it away from yeah. it based on whatever their whatever their identity or their political identity or yes. what you thought they were. What was what's the one uh, con you know, preconceived notion you had about uh, serving the general assembly? that yet you were like, doesn't exist, not true? Um, well, I think... You sound like a very open-minded person. I, I am. So, so there are some things that people do in terms of strategy and kind of how do we keep the other party at 
not advancing as much. I don't like that. I don't think that. Uh, but you did not think that happened. I did not think that happened <laughs> in, in the way that it does. So right, right, I give right. you, like, I, it, it didn't occur to me the depth that people would. Yes, the depth of it. So you, you understand it sort of on a theoretical level, but the practical nature right. and experience of it is very different. And so there are strategies in place that that kill good bills just because of the party, the, per, the party of the person carrying it. Right. And so I look at that and say, but that doesn't hurt me. Right. That hurts the people that both of us right. represent right. because it's a good bill and it's not something over a divisive issue. Right. So if 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 somebody in your party were carrying that bill and you would 100 percent support it. Right. You should 100 like percent like support 6 it. Example. If, right. if your party was the other party, you'd be like, what's right. going on here? So there's a lot of that that I think that uh, is disappointing to me. Disappointing. Uh, it's very disappointing. And in and your role as a as a leadership development professional. Yeah. Do you see that as good leadership or bad leadership? I think it's failed leadership. Failed. I think it's failed leadership because, I mean, some people will call it strategy and it is a strategy, but just because something's strategy doesn't make it right, right. And it doesn't make it productive and something that's sustainable with legs that produces a good legacy. Right. And I think because I do the leadership work, the inside and the outside work, coming here with that lens, that filter, I view the body politic and the House and the Senate differently in how right. we show up and how we behave. I view it differently. Um, I see people, you know, like celebrating as badges of honors of how many people they kind of kept at bay, how many bills they killed. Over. And I think, but but what's the, if, if you just sort of strip out the people and you look at the essence of what's trying to pass, um, you don't have a philosophical difference or conflict with that. So then it, it really sort of circles back to ego and power. And what do you do when you have power? Right. And I think that, that's what reveals you. If the way you show up when you have all the eggs in your basket actually says a lot more about you than how you show up when you have no eggs in your basket. Right. Has it, can you point to a vote that you made that said, no, I'm going to vote for the bill because it's just, it's just a good bill relative. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've done, I've, I've co-patroned with uh, fellow Republicans, but I believe if the bill is good, the bill is good. Right. Um, I did a bill last year where I joined Delegate um, Greenhall. Um, there's not a whole lot of things we agree on, but we agreed on that. And that's that's my philosophy. If there's something sure. we can right. agree on, right. let's move it forward. And there was it was an education bill uh, that provided a tax credit for uh, teachers. Okay. Um, in my family, there are five siblings across marriage and remarriages, and two of my siblings were homeschooled. And I saw how my mother worked to get supplies to educate my brother and sister and, and teach them. My father was a math teacher, and I saw how he, just like my mother, this was after they were divorced, um, he would dig into his pocket, just like my mother, to get supplies for the class because sure. teachers don't have enough money to, to, to fund the classes. The same things we're talking about with teachers today. Right. As a child, I watched in my family happening with my, my parents and grandparents who were educators. So, um, and then before, uh, when I left the practice of law, there was a point where I wanted to become a teacher and I was going to go into a private school and the private school teachers make less than the public school teachers. Mm -hmm. And the world already acknowledges that public school teachers don't make enough money. Right. So homeschool teaching, private school teaching, public school teaching. The bill was simply to give a tax credit for those supplies that you come out of pocket with. And there were people and organizations against the bill because it included homeschool and it included private teachers, private school teachers. And I stood up and I said, a teacher is a teacher is a teacher. It's a good bill. 
And all of these folks who are trying to educate our children shouldn't have to have to go into their pockets to do it. We should be able to support that. Okay. And how was that received by your caucus? Uh, I don't think anybody else joined me. Um, maybe one other person did. Wow. Um, joined me wow. with that. So I've, I had those moments myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I still, every once in a while, someone will bring up a, a, a vote or two that I that I um, veered off of, you know, uh, and I was like, you know, it yeah. didn't affect the vote back home. Right. People don't, it's not that they, and I, there was this particular group that was upset and they came into my office and it was, um, I won't get into the bill, but they came in and they expressed their concern with my, with my vote. I said, this is a deep philosophical difference that we have. I've heard you. I hope you've heard me. Uh, I come from a free market perspective on this particular issue. I understand where you are. My vote's not changing. Right. It, yeah. That's just that's just it. It's because I have to go home and put my head on the pillow. Exactly. Right. I have to look myself in the mirror when I'm shaving and go. You know, you still did what you think is the right thing. And even though I represent the district and the people, there's a point at which your conscience has to be your guide, and there's right. that's a very delicate balance sometimes. It is, and you do have to you have to find alignment. I want to say though that my party didn't pressure me. I mean, they, they were very respectful sure. of my decision. Good. Nobody pressured me. Good. They just didn't join me, right? But also, did, uh, did, Delegate Rinkall had some challenges on her side, oh, yeah. and ultimately <laughs> the bill went, I think it went through, but only with public school teachers. Like So there was a lot of really? pushback against it. Is that so, how it got through the Senate? I then? think that's how it got through the Senate, okay. with, which okay. was you know just allowing it to be... Um, to have it apply to public school teachers. So you have a so you have a heavy education background. Um, just from I mean, just, family. Just, well, well, that's, <laughs> I grew up in culturally. it. Yeah. I mean, yes. it's a big one. And you went, yes. you have you know you you went to Columbia. I went to Barnard. Barnard at Columbia. Yes. Okay. Uh, is that a difference? Is that like it? it, it? Well, I mean, I up until 1982, bio. Columbia College was all male. Ah. And then it went co-ed, right, but right, right. Barnard stayed single sex. And but you know when I was there, I mean I took lots of classes uh, across is it the street. Today still single sex. Or just it is. But it's got is a it special. Really? It's got a special relationship with Columbia University. That's great. Okay. Uh, so. Okay. And then uh, GW Law School. Yes. And you're a practicing attorney. I was. You was. You're, you're no longer practicing. Nope. I I actually went to law school to do business. So think about this is like in the '80s and. I went because I wanted to be what, in my mind, a corporate activist. My sister was the one that did like community health, okay. uh, raised money for AIDS. This is in the 80s. And I remember her lamenting that they weren't getting enough traction from businesses. And I loved business. And I said, we need more people inside the organizations who are willing to do the right thing. So my sister stayed that wow. track and I went that track and I felt that the law degree was going to help me be more effective. It was a time where there weren't a lot of women. There weren't a lot of people of color, certainly. Mm -hmm. And so I felt that the law degree was going to give me a little bit more weight in the room to be able to have these conversations. And then immediately, because I had a law degree, would put me in positions where I'd be um, at the outset working with uh, executive levels, decision makers, uh, and be able to affect change differently. So all along, the, the, the theme is education, for the sake of change, making the world a better place. Yep. What was that's my family. <laughs> and so is it, has that been your your family track all along? It has. It's expressed itself in right. various ways. Um, and because I like variety and I like to do new things, the way it expresses itself could be in a business role. It could be in creating a program for teens. You know, it could be. Uh, working with Customs and Border Patrol agents. It could be working uh, in another country um, doing something. I do a lot of work with um, the UN Foundation and peacekeepers and humanitarian aid workers, as well as 
um, your regular corporate folks. And still, you, you know. have time to find the run in the House of Delegates uh, to serve. Well, I had to. I had to <laughs> minimize more of that work so I can maximize my time here in this work. But how's yes. that balance going? Uh, I, last year, it was very difficult. Uh, the first time trying to figure it out and trying to um, to honor all my contracts for my my job. Sure. And then so I I I, I wised up very quickly and then um, uh, began to create different timelines for my contracts in my business to be able to work well with this schedule. Okay. Um, let's, let's go into a little bit uh, what I like to do is a rapid fire questions okay. for folks on let's do it. who you are more, more uh, not intimately, but interestingly. Okay. Uh, favorite books. All right. Favorite books. Okay. So I love, um, my gosh, I just, I just finished reading so many books. Um, why am I blanking on books? Okay. Let's come back to TV. that one. TV shows. Okay, so I love um, like the cop and law shows, like the so Law and Order. Really? Uh, SWAT, um, SWAT. Blue, uh, you know. But what were Luke, your favorite ones Luke growing Luke. up? Uh, growing up, I watched <laughs> like, I didn't watch cop shows growing up. I watched stuff like, you know, Brady Bunch. <laughs> And the Partridge Family. And the, the, after, the Afternoon Brady Bunch and Partridge Family shows? Yes, yeah. I watched all those. After school? Yeah. Okay. Those are your faves? They were. Okay. Uh, I met all the Brady Bunch once. Did you really? Remember the episode where they're at the amusement park? Yes. I was at that amusement park. I was seven. <laughs> I met them all. Amazing. I was starstruck. Yeah, Starstruck. Favorite movies? Oh, The Matrix, but the first one. The because Matrix. The first Matrix, because that was the first time the Wachowskis had used that kind of cinematography in Hollywood and, and film, and it was groundbreaking. I also love the Joy Luck Club, and okay. I love um, I love uh, stories that weave in real world issues with triumphant uh, endings. Um, okay. Yeah. So Matrix and the Joy Luck Club. Yeah. Okay. Uh, news sources. Where do you get your news? What influences? So I try Michelle not to watch cable news because try I try not to. It frustrates it sucks me. Sucks you in there. I will because I think there's too much bias in it. I don't want their opinion. I want their analysis. And so um, if I can find, uh, and I also look. I look at conservative and liberal media, but I try to look for the anchors who will do analysis and not give me opinion. And so sometimes I will. Who would that be? Well, give me an example. So who does that well? So for you? let's see. I think. Um, I like some of the folks. Like I like I like Wolf Blitzer on okay. CNN. Okay. I like um, an MSNBC. I like um, Vel Velshi. Um, I like Ali Velshi. Ali Velshi. I like. Um, so is my wife. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I like his. And voice. I like um, my husband and I watch on Sundays. He really loves him. Uh, gosh, I'm I'm blanking on his name. Okay, let's anyway. come back. Let's go back to okay. uh, books. The books. Okay. So I like I like books that are about uh, transformation. So I like um, The Alchemist. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. I like um, things that talk about the um, so the body keeps the score, uh, which is about how emotions are made and how it sits in the body and the complex relationship between how emotions appear in the body and what happens in the mind. I got the, I got the same for my wife. Feelings feelings buried alive never die. That's correct. Boom. That's I correct. remembered it there, Boom. Michelle. From, Boom. Drop from you to her. <laughs> That was That's important. It. That was important because I'm like, this is what she yeah. says all the time. Buried alive, never die. That's feelings true. Of, feelings buried alive, never die. That is so true. That is so true. And, and I love Sorry. things on neuroscience. 
So there's oh. lots of books on neuroscience. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, I'm going to have to introduce you yeah. to my wife, and I will <laughs> see you. You'll have your weekend together. You do all that stuff. But I also, you guys are in the same drink. What you haven't asked me is like what I like to do for fun. Okay, Michelle love, Maldonado, what do you like to do for fun? I yeah. love humor. So I love watching stand-up. I Favorites? often will play. So I love Kevin Hart. Okay. I love Dave Chappelle. I like Michael Yo. Uh, I was thinking about Chappelle as I was, I was coming in this morning. Yeah, I didn't like him when he was younger. As he's older, oh, he's so brilliant. He's, he's so like he's he's so thoughtful he's and brilliant. connects. He's so in his level. older years, I really level. appreciate his, him. His comedy, yeah. is genius level. And uh, for physical fun, when I'm not laughing, <laughs> I like to roller skate. Anybody who spent a few minutes talking with me knows. My secret, and my secret is I travel with my skates in my trunk. Really? So, and I don't inline. I am old school and a purist. I skate on four wheels. Now, I'm going to date us back to the 80s and the 70s. Did you watch roller derby growing up? I did not. Okay. <laughs> I was the kind of kid that you had the good music playing. So it was a combination. Do you dance or do you skate? And sometimes you just put the two together. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> that's a lot of fun. Yeah. I've never skated. I have no intention of You're ever skating. missing out. No, I'm not. Because <laughs> I know I would fall. I would break something. Oh. <laughs> Delegate Maldonado, what are you working on? Let's, let's, let's cap this yeah. thing. What's, what's your priority this session? So um, I was recently elected, appointed by um, uh, Leader Scott to lead our caucus's um, Affordable Housing Policy Committee. Okay. So I've done a lot. I do a lot in the affordable housing space. Um, as a child, I had some uh, housing and food insecurity. There were periods okay. in my life where it was a little difficult, and we lived in a camping trailer. And I tell people it's not a mobile home. It's kind that you hooked up to a back of a car. It was really wow. hard times. And so I, I understand intimately what it's like when you don't have stable housing. How, how do you learn in school? How do you work at right. work? It's, it's right. very hard when you don't know where your food's coming, uh, where you're going to put your head down on the pillow. So put forth some... So the, the um, trauma of those kids and their housing really spoke to you. Oh, that 100%. Was, that was the initiate. It was, your own, was your own life experience. I could connect to it. Yeah. Uh, I understand okay. the truth of it. Okay. And I also understand the possibilities of what can happen when you overcome it. Clearly. You move to the other side of it. Clearly. Uh, but people need help to be able to do that. Um, and I don't think that help is a handout. I think it's a hand up. And, um, and so I put forth some uh, housing bills. Uh, one of them got through. Uh, I'm also really um, passionate about um, wage uh, parity, wage mm -hmm. pay parity. And um, I put forth a bill that is really tracking what a number of states are already doing, which is requiring that um, employers disclose the weight, the range, the pay range for the positions they're um, putting out for, for hire, and that they can't require people to share their salary history. Okay. And if they don't, also, they cannot use that against them in the hiring process. Um, yeah, I've had several instances lately, and I've been talking to folks in the political world, mm -hmm. and they'll say, you know, I screwed up when I said, when they asked me how much I wanted to make, and I, I say, no, 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 start the conversation. What do you think it's worth? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Turn it back on them. <laughs> Don't even answer well, the question. Turn it. No, no, no. What do you, what's it yes. value to you? Yes. Where are you pricing this? Not where I price myself. Delegate, it's been a distinct pleasure and honor uh, getting to know you in our short time here. I, I see my wife <laughs> almost, almost trans what an honor. transposed. We're, we're both named Michelle, uh, and, but you know the mindfulness and the, the dealing with the trauma of, and, and, and just everything you've expressed. It was really, it's neat to see someone get up off the couch uh, be encouraged and get in there and try to you know bring about the change and the transformation that you that uh, has been a part of your life all along and I, and I hope you'll continue in that role no matter where you are in the political world and I wish you success in that lane Thank because 
I see problems in our political future, and we need an America that doesn't have the divisions in the trenches. And I will invite you to a book that I'm reading. It's a new favorite of mine, The Left and the Right, How the Political Spectrum Misleads and Harms America. I, 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 I've noted that. I will short little book. It's I one of my favorites because it. it's Thank short. Thank you. I appreciate like, that. Like and I appreciate the well wishes. And what I will say is that there is hope and there is vision. I've had people at the federal level, when they learned that I was running, um, reach out to me to say, you're not alone. You wanting to bring this level of compassion and civility to and accountability to politics, and we're watching and we want that too, and we're trying. There are right. people that were just elected into the new class of Congress mm -hmm. who also bring that in. And there are people here at the state level and the local level who also want that, but it's hard because it is not how the, the game is designed. And people often look at that as a weakness as opposed to a strength. And I'm here to tell people, to show people that it is one of the most powerful ways to lead and to be uh, a representative. Well, as you continue, be write down those beliefs because it, it'll challenge you. Yes. Politics will find the cracks. Yes, they will. And, they already have. And I'm sure. And you got to shore them up. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> got to shore it up. Believe me. Yes. Anyway, Chris Saxon on the VIP podcast, available on Spotify, YouTube, and Apple. This podcast is brought to you by VCTA, the Broadband Association of Virginia and Virginia Free, of which I am its executive director. Thanks for joining us, and please subscribe.